listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast, a podcast all about your health and wellness issues that affect you every day. We want to educate, entertain, and maybe make you giggle a little along the way. No annoying statistics or jargon here, just information you can use every day to be healthier, happier, and less boring. All right, here's your host, OBGYN Dr. Ron Eaker. What we try to do here is give you some practical advice on women's health issues, things that you can do on a daily basis to make your life healthier and happier. And we try to do it in a way that's not so cut and dry. It's not so rigid like most medical stuff. I mean, it's amazing when you go to these conferences and you see these docs present, and it's like they have a sense of humor of a crowbar. They'll get up and talk about something just... Uh, very technical, and maybe it's just because of the kind of stuff they're forced to talk about, but it gets really boring really quick. So my hope here is to provide you with some quick-hitting, very important things that you can utilize in a daily basis as it relates to your health, but do it in a way that maybe makes you a little bit more interested and keeps you interested for the 15 minutes that I ask of your time and maybe even makes you giggle a little bit along the way. Well, today we're going to hit on a topic that is very near and dear to my heart and even more near and dear to many of you out there, and that's three things that have to do with the menopause that can just drive you crazy. Believe me, there are more than three things, but I just wanted to limit it to three right now just so we could cover it in the time allotted. So we're going to start there. You know, I generally try to be a positive guy. I believe that good guy usually wins, except in political races. I think the underdog generally has a shot. You know, that's why I love college football, because you always know that depending on what team shows up, the worst team in the country could beat the best team in the country. You don't see that in the pros. You don't see that at that level. But I love college football because the underdog always has a shot. And unfortunately, the team that I support lately has been an underdog for about the last 15 years. So I generally think they have a shot regardless. And I generally hope that good's going to triumph over evil, and I am absolutely convinced that Jenny McCarthy is an alien life form from Uranus sent here to destroy our culture. So in that light, I do think there are a few things about menopause that were not necessarily designed by a benevolent creator. Those who suspect God is a woman, well, some of these things that happen in menopause is evidence against that. Number one, getting older is tough enough that you didn't have to throw in some nuances like urinary incontinence. As I write that, it sounds like a late-night infomercial for Depends. Actually, it's something that can plague many women in the menopause, this inadvertent loss of urine. This gadfly of a problem can be due to a number of things that are associated with aging, much not much like not understanding rap music and eating dinner at 5 p.m. The bladder is a big muscle. And as you age, sometimes that muscle doesn't work as well. Sound familiar, guys? And it either won't contract properly, which is urinary retention, or it contracts too easily and frequently, which is known as overactive bladder. And if you watch any TV in the last five years, you're inundated with commercials now for overactive bladder. Of course, those are better than the commercials for erectile dysfunction, but that's for another podcast. But overactive bladder is such a common issue with women today, especially as they get a bit older, that 
the drug companies spent a lot of money over the last 25 years developing medications to treat this issue because this is not something that's going to be treated by surgery. This is something that will only be helped by medication. So they saw this massive market and decided that we're going to focus our attention. So once they were able to develop some drugs that in some instances can be very effective for this problem, they now have mounted a massive campaign to make people aware that it is a problem. I mean, you didn't have to tell women that it was a problem, but they, more importantly, wanted to tell folks that there is a solution to their problem, and it just happens to be the drug that they make. What a coincidence. But the bottom line is that particular type of urinary incontinence that is truly overactive bladder may be benefited by one of these medicines. The end result for either of these types, whether it's a stress incontinence or the um, overactive bladder is that loss of urine and just an obsessive mapping of bap- bathrooms within a 20 mile radius. The good news is that the problem can often be addressed by either medications, exercises, or surgery. The bad news is, is that the problem is not often cured by medications, exercises, or surgery. The key to successful management is to discover the right reason for the leakage and then look at your options. That's always a key caveat in medicine. Don't just put a band-aid on it. Go to the source of the problem. That's how you direct your treatment. And it can be a bit tricky since medicine will not help certain types and surgery will be wasted on other types. As in most things, I self-servingly recommend to see your friendly neighborhood gynecologist to straighten it all out. To further complicate this picture, oftentimes people have both issues going on at the same time. They can have some stress incontinence. In other words, if you're watching your favorite sitcom and laughing out loud and have to always go change your pants afterwards because you just have wee-wee all over them, chances are you have some stress incontinence. But equally, you could have a component of the overactive bladder. So there are some tests that can be done Quite honestly, in many instances, it comes down to using one of the medications if it's a significant enough problem and seeing the result. As in many things in medicine, we can't predict ahead of time who's going to respond positively to these medicines. Luckily, they're mostly pretty benign, so it's oftentimes worth a trial. Number two, an obese philosopher once said, if God had meant me to be skinny, he wouldn't have invented Dairy Queen. While I don't necessarily subscribe to this rather nihilistic approach, weight gain can be a real test in the menopause. Now let me be crystal clear here. I did not have sex with that woman, Ms. Lewinsky. Wait, wait a minute, sorry. That was another quote. Let's try that again. Let me be crystal clear here. Weight gain during this transition is not necessarily due to menopause as much as it's most likely due to aging. It just happens that menopause and aging tend to coincide. As you age, the amount of energy to run your body, it's what we call our basic metabolic rate, doing the things that you normally do every day, like eating or watching Murder, She Wrote, that amount of energy normally declines. So it takes less to run your body on a daily basis as you get older. 
So then naturally, if you do the same thing, in other words, you just eat cream puffs and Cinnabons all day, you're going to gain weight, even if you had not gained weight in the past, which probably would occur if you sat around eating cream puffs and Cinnabons all day. It's not really a hormone thing as much as it is an age thing. The key is realizing this in either changing what and how much you eat or increasing your activity level. I mean, you know you should be moving more anyway, so this is a good place to start. Well, let me throw this aside in there. Weight is a very, very complex issue. It's not as simple as taking in less and burning off more. That's a very simplistic, uh, quite wrong approach because there's so much complexity with regards to weight gain and weight loss. I recently got board certified in obesity medicine because this is an interest of mine and it's something that I see a tremendous need for and we're going to do a lot of podcasts on weight because that's such a common issue and such a precursor for so many medical problems. But probably the most important thing that I learned was that weight gain and weight loss is an amazingly complex issue. There are so many factors that play a role that you can't just simply make a blanket statement like taking in less and burning off more. Now, of course, that plays a role, and calorie intake and calorie expenditure is a part of the puzzle. But it's if it's just reduced to that simplistic statement, you're dooming yourself for failure, either in not losing weight, but more importantly, not keeping it off. So I'll get out my soapbox now and we'll get back to the rest of of this particular podcast. Number three, most women in the menopause will see a change in their sleep habits. Now you might be saying, oh, wait a minute, hot flash breath, aging affects sleep also. So is this just another slam on getting old? This is getting very old itself. No, in this case, menopause truly is the culprit. Studies are conclusive that estrogen receptors in the brain can affect sleep quality and quantity, but also the power surge known as a hot flash can really screw with the sweet dreams. Many women know this intuitively. I'll see them in the office every day and they'll be complaining of changes in their sleep habits. And that's one of the keys. If someone has had sleep issues in the past, and again, here again, this is very complex. There are a multitude of different sleep disorders ranging from sleep apnea to uh, trouble going to sleep, frequent awakenings. So it's not as simple as not getting enough restful sleep. But if someone complains of that, oftentimes if it pre-exists coming into the menopause, chances are it's not going to get better and likely it's going to get a little bit worse. But like it was for urinary incontinence, we do have options, both what we would call traditional Uh, and non-traditional approaches and it just depends on the individual. You can't cookbook any of these issues as it relates to the menopause. You have to look at each person and decide what's going to work for them and then present folks with those options and this especially is important with sleep is present folks with options and tailor it to what is going to work best within their lifestyle. I'm telling you, poor sleep makes Sally a crazed dog commercial crying 
fly off the handle for not putting the lid down kind of gal. It has effects that can dramatically be extended across the spectrum, everything from moods and emotions to surprisingly weight gain. I'll relate these two together. We know people who have poor sleep have changes in the hormones that are secreted, not ovarian hormones like estrogen and progesterone, but metabolic hormones like ghrelin uh, that can be secreted in poor sleep states that leads to increased weight gain. I bet that's something you may not have known is that people who have poor sleep actually are much more likely to gain weight. So again, this is a very complex issue. As with the loss of urine, this problem can sometimes be fixed with medicines, herbs, vitamins, lifestyle changes. The therapy and the treatment should never be just a band-aid. You really need to get to the source of the problem. I will tell you, sometimes a glass of Chardonnay doesn't hurt either, but that's that's my husband's side, not my doctor's side saying that. The real key is recognizing the problem, looking at options, and deciding what's going to be the most effective tool for you. One of the things I've learned in the past 30 years and in dealing with a lot of folks in the last 15 years, specifically as it relates to menopause, is that it's not for weaklings. But let me tell you this and this is a little bit exciting positive news, most women actually go through this transition very, very easily. Uh, That's not to say they don't have symptoms. It's not to say they don't have bothersome symptoms. But the majority of folks transition through this time frame with relatively mild symptoms and little impact on their lifestyle. However, if you are one of those who does experience either one of these three issues or a multitude of others. Uh, it's simply a matter of having that discussion with your healthcare provider. We have many more tools available today than we used to have. And I think the biggest problem is women oftentimes just assuming that, oh, this is normal, this is expected, I just have to live with it. Not really the case. Like Frederick Nietzsche, Nietzsche said, that that doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that really applies to the menopause. So that's all I have for you today. This is Ron Eaker talking to you about making good choices, living healthy. So we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast. To join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content, Join our private Facebook community by sending a request to Women's Online Wellness. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or to get more information, email Dr. Eaker at reaker at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, choose to be healthy.